0: For the reading of today's scripture, now we pray. Gracious God, let the words of our mouths and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and redeemer, amen. Today's passages are from John 1, 35 through 50. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, "'We have found the Messiah,' which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus, Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth exclaimed Nathaniel, could anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Peter replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel a man of complete integrity. "'How do you know about me?' Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, "'I can see you under the fig tree "'before Philip found you.' Then Nathaniel exclaimed, "'Rabbi, you are the Son of God, "'the King of Israel.' Jesus asked him, "'Do you believe this "'just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree?' You will see greater things than this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Amen. Thank you. Got a lively group online with us this morning. If you ever see me up there texting during the service, it's because I'm interacting with our online family. They got a lot going on this week. Um, First of all, I bring uh, greetings from Pat Jones, Brian and Pat Walls, and from Lynn Wilkinson. A joy from Pat Walls, her move to the Wexford went well. So, Pat, we are glad to hear that, and we hope that it's a good start of a new season of wonderful life for you. And we do have one concern from Phil and Kim Kramer. They ask for prayers for Ken. That's Phil's brother. He's fighting cancer and has had several unexpected falls this past week. So yes, we're happy to bring that up, and we're happy that our online folks are with us. We've got about 12 households, from what it looks like, so it is a good group indeed. It is a good day indeed, because we are here again, the start of the Lenten season. But goodness, doesn't it feel like it was just yesterday we were singing Christmas carols and enjoying hot chocolate? Now we're here singing somber hymns, and some of us have given up chocolate for Lent. I mean, talk about a spiritual reversal. Does anybody have whiplash from this? I think I do. So it's good for us to be here today. We're going to have a time to reorient ourselves as we begin the Lenten journey. We need to do that because we don't want to miss out on what's ahead. Lent is this slow, deliberate journey towards Easter and renewal, new life. We're going to do that this year by following Jesus, as the theme suggests. As we do, as we look at these classic Lenten stories, we're going to see what he does. We're going to learn what we need to do. We're going to follow Christ to the cross. The old story will tell us new and valuable lessons. Yes, indeed. It all starts today with an aspect that we use in any journey, really. It doesn't have to be sacred. It can be secular. Any journey we take, any change we make, any new path we walk off on requires us to take an invitation first. Let's talk about why invitations are so important. A good invitation is not just about somebody's presence, right? It's not just because you want somebody at a party or a meal or another function. A good invitation is so much more than that. There's an anonymous quote I stumbled upon online that I think says it well. This person wrote, a genuine invitation isn't about opening doors, but also about opening minds and hearts. It's not just about opening doors, but also opening minds and hearts. That says it beautifully, perfectly right there. Good invitations are not just about presence, They're about breaking us out of our assumptions, our routines, and our set beliefs. They ask us to engage with aspects of life we hadn't considered before. New foods, different cultures, fresh ways of thinking. And when it's an invitation to go to church, well, we know the benefits of that. We find the new life of the Spirit here today. Yes, good invitations hold wonderful potential. Notice I've been saying good, good invitations. Because when the invitation is bad, (laughs) ooh, we know what happens then, don't we? Who here has had a bad invitation before? Show of hands. Only one of us? Wow. I don't know about that, but I think we all know what it's like to get a half-hearted invitation. Maybe you were standing around with a group of friends, and they're talking about something they're going to be doing, and then they look up at you and realize you're there, and they go, oh, you can come along if you'd like. How does it feel to be the fifth wheel? Not good. I'm betting you've had this one before. You get an invitation in the mail and you get excited about it until you realize they have totally misspelled your name. How much do they care about you for them to totally misspell your name, right? I had a bad invitation once when I was in Fort Collins about 10 years ago. I was in a coffee shop working on a sermon, and when I finished up, I bring a lot of biblical commentaries with me, so I had to pack all that up, and I was carrying it out to my car, and I'd parked a long way away, so I had a long walk to go through. I was standing at a crosswalk waiting to go when a guy walked up beside me. He took one look at the books I was carrying, and he knew exactly what I did for a living. He asked me, hey, are you a pastor? Reluctantly said, yes, I had books up to here almost, and told him where I was serving at the time. This guy responded by telling me about his congregation, and then he started asking me all these questions about my commentaries. He'd be like, oh, I see, that one's by Will Willimon. How does he compare to John Piper? All these in-depth questions. It was obvious this, this guy was a man of deep faith and knew what he was talking about. What he didn't realize, though, was how heavy my books really were. Many of you have seen biblical commentaries. You know that they can double as a gym weight if needed. So I was standing there talking to this guy, and I was just feeling the weight of those books. I saw the the walk signal, the pedestrian walk signal, come and go two times. I was getting frustrated. Finally, after what felt like a lifetime, this guy said, well, I have to go. But before he left, he reached into his laptop bag and pulled out a flyer. It was for a conference at his church, and it was on the apocalypse, the end of the world. I do not remember what the conference was called, but I remember the logo of it vividly. It was a cross superimposed upon a nuclear mushroom cloud. This guy plopped it on my stack of books, invited me to attend, and he ended our conversation like this. He said, I can't wait until God cleanses this world. I really hope you make it. Then he took off. (laughs) I was kind of out of breath from carrying all the books, but I don't know if I'd have anything to say anyway. I was kind of shocked by it all how motivated do you think i was to accept that invitation well how motivated are we when we encounter one of those less than ideal invites no one enjoys a bad invitation right or in the case of this guy a politely worded threat Instead of enticing you into these new exciting experiences, a bad invite, well, they make you shut off. The worse the invitation, the more barriers you want to put between that thing, between you and that thing you are being invited to. That can be a bad thing. That can cut you off from people you might befriend, events you might enjoy, and ideas that could change your mind. And in terms of faith, it might turn people off from Jesus Christ. That's happening a lot right now. I'm guessing you're seeing this. I did a quick scan on social media last week, and I confirmed it. There are numerous stories, quite like mine, where well-meaning Christians go up to people and invite them to church. They use phrases like this. These are actual quotes if you died tonight do you know where you'd end up or you know you're going to go to hell if you don't come to church with me on sunday awful right we wonder why christianity is unpopular right now we wonder what we might miss when an invitation is bad Yes, it can not continue on this way, people. We need to learn to give better invitations for two reasons. First, because our world is entrenched and polarized. Our culture needs to get out of itself and reconnect. Invitation to do that. And if we connect it with Christ, that's the best way to do that, in my opinion. And secondly, we have our own needs for new life. That's what the Lenten journey is all about is focus on finding God's new life for ourselves. And despite many of us walking this journey before, we come here anew with very stringent needs. We have things, longings that we're carrying that only God can address. We need God's invitation. We need invitations to find solace in the midst of hard health diagnoses or difficult moments or prompting to... Forgive, that's part of a strained relationship. Maybe we need a renewed sense of purpose and direction. Each of us has our own needs. So it's important to know what invitation we're listening for as Lent begins. Because God will give that to us. I'll sum it up by saying it this way. We need to hear a good invitation from God this Lenten season and we need to share one with the world. Recognizing this as we go into our gospel reading, I want us to think about two corresponding questions. First, ask yourself, what invitation do I need to hear from God today? What can Christ offer me in my current circumstances? And secondly, what can I offer my neighbor What invitation can I extend that the people around me might be able to use? Thankfully, Jesus shows us how to do both in our gospel passage today. Appropriately enough, this reading comes from John 1. It's the very beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, the start of it all. He's launching that movement that's about to revolutionize everything. And to do this, Jesus needs some followers. So he sets out to recruit some. Invitations are going left and right in this passage. The first instance of one shows us how Jesus handles people who come to him. It's when two of John the Baptist's disciples go to Christ after their former master points him out. That's verse 36. John the Baptist says, look, there goes the Lamb of God. And The two unnamed disciples, at that point, they take off and follow. That reaction tells us exactly what the two disciples, the two would-be followers, are looking for. They heard the title Lamb of God, which is another name for the Messiah. They were talking about the anointed king, the one who was coming to heal all the earth's problems. So from this we can deduce that these two they had problems that they wanted to cure. They were looking for a remedy. They might have been unsettled by something going on in their community. They desired a better life, the one that God promised them through scripture. Perhaps they lack something they can even put words to. Scripture doesn't really say, so we can really kind of Put ourselves in here. Because we're very much like these two disciples are. These two would-be followers right now. We have things we're looking for in Jesus. We have approached Christ in the hope that God will reach us back. Now look at how Jesus handles them. After hearing their silent requests, Jesus simply says, Come and you'll see that's jesus's invitation right there notice there is no dire pronouncement about dying if people don't no compulsory language all jesus says is come and see i really want us to take note of this friends because here we are looking for good invitations ways to get out of ourselves and find new experiences This way of inviting does that. It applies in any situation, secular or sacred. Why? Because it's inclusive. It welcomes anyone who's curious or interested. Moreover, it doesn't put any pressure on that person. The one who receives this invitation is welcome to form their own opinions to have their own experience. It also, this is what opens up a greater relationship between people right there. Because when you invite somebody to come and see, whether it's to a movie, a church, or a round of golf, when you do that, one person becomes a guide, and the other person becomes a companion or a follower. There's a trust that forms there. One person knows that they are lightly being led into something, and the other person knows the way. That's the dynamic that God is inviting us to this Lent. Whether it's hope or healing or purpose or something else entirely, Jesus is freely and openly offering that opportunity to us to discover what that is as we follow So why don't we take God up on the offer? That's the question we get. The second thing we learn is, how do we share this come and see approach with others? We see the good this does in the latter part of our reading. When you zoom in on verse 43, we see Philip's experience. This come and see invitation, it deals with a little bit of adversity. I mean, Philip, he hears the call to join Jesus and accepts. And immediately he goes out to track down his friend Nathaniel, who's also called Bartholomew at other points in the Gospels. Philip is excited, folks. He walks up to his friend and says, Hey, 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 I found the Messiah, this guy who's going to do everything we've been looking for, the one who's going to help us out. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel, he doesn't buy it at first, though. Nazareth, he says. Can anything good come from Nazareth? That's kind of a common reaction when we bring up matters of faith, invitations to church. I mean, you can hear the suspicion in Nathaniel's response, sure. So let me show you where it's coming from. Jesus' hometown of Nazareth is in... a province known as Galilee. Galilee was considered the cultural backwater of the time. Most Judeans viewed its inhabitants like a typical American might view somebody from the deep south or another region like that. We regrettably label people from those areas of the world as uneducated, as backward uncultured that's what's going on here nathaniel is looking down on jesus because of where he's from so nathaniel brings up this response he's putting up barriers he's unsure of it and again look at what philip does does he threaten nathaniel with damnation No. Does he defend Jesus and tell Nathaniel how wrong he is by judging Galileans? No, absolutely not. He doesn't do that either. Philip simply says, come and see for yourself. And Nathaniel does. (laughs) Again, think of that in terms of group dynamics here. It's fascinating. Philip is becoming a guide of sorts, but... He's pointing Nathanael on to a greater guide, to the shepherd, to Jesus. He allows Jesus to take on that central role. And the way he does it, he doesn't defend it. He doesn't stand up. He doesn't do those things that so many Christians would do now. He just says, come and see. And because of that, Nathanael finds the thing that heals his heart. We know this because of Jesus' mention of the fig tree. Nathanael was sitting under one. Now, fig groves back then were were locations where people went to have deep spiritual conversations. Rabbis would often teach there. Or they were where you went to have a moment of long meditative prayer. You could sit under the shade of the trees and not be bothered by the sun. Nathanael was obviously doing this. Despite all his defenses and his barriers he puts up, he was seeking something in Jesus that he didn't know about. And when Jesus reveals that to him, Nathaniel finds what he's looking for, and he starts his life of faith. It's just so remarkable. I mean, just saying, come and see, does all this. It's not overly persuasive. It's not compulsive. It's just pointing to God and saying, see for yourself. So, what does that tell us today? Well, in this age where the church is so unpopular, when well meaning followers dig in their heels and try to defend Jesus from culture at any cost, this tells us don't worry. The Savior speaks for himself. So think about how you could invite somebody in this way this Lent season. We're going to look for our own invitation, but how can we invite somebody else? It can be the simplest way possible. Here's a good example for us. One of our homebound saints who didn't know I was going to tell the story, so I'm not going to share who it is, She often calls me because she has a friend who lives next door. This neighbor has a lot of questions about God, about faith, about life, and our saint will often call me to see what I would say about them. This neighbor doesn't want to talk to me or another pastor because we're big and scary or something like that. So I kind of coach our saint on what to do. She asked me, how do I best invite somebody to faith? And I told her, do exactly what you're already doing. Because the saint constantly tells me about how she welcomes this person into her home, her neighbor. They have coffee and cookies a lot. And during these gatherings, they laugh, they visit. And our saint answers these questions about God as openly as she can. He isn't afraid to say, God only knows, or I don't know, or just come and see. That may be all you have to do right there. Just be open and present with somebody who's there across the table from you. Or you might be sent somewhere across the city. You might be sent somewhere where the Spirit will do wonderful things. I don't know. But it shows us this can happen to any of us. One of our best inviters in this church, friends, is somebody who hasn't been in this sanctuary in years. She watches us online every week. We have this possibility. We have this potential. It's the ability to start something, to help people join into a bigger thing. We're gonna accept that invitation, So let's help others do the same. In doing that, I think we're going to get exactly what Jesus is talking about in the last part of our reading today. The last verse, Jesus says, follow me and you'll see something even greater. A good invitation does that. It compels or it is compelling rather than compels. So let's show that to people What we have ahead of us in this season is so exciting. So let's feel called to live like that and show people the God who we follow. Let's start that process in earnest now as we end in a word of prayer. If you join me. gracious God, we have heard your call this morning. You have called us as followers, as people who have known your voice and have trusted you for many years. Or we've heard your call anew. We've heard a fresh voice we didn't expect and seen things we didn't know we needed in your presence. However you've come to us, God, thank you for this gift of your presence. We praise you for your wonderful redemption. Now, Help us to do that greater thing and show your love to others so all might be inspired to follow you, to come along on this journey where life is the result. God, we thank you for this gift. Bless those who take it and share it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come now to that time when we're able to give back a small portion of what God gives to us. Before we do that, though, I want to acknowledge one of the programs we're trying to bring back in this church that helps us do that. Uh, many of you use it already. We have uh, what we call our grocery card program. We work through King Supers and Albertsons and Safeway, and um, people who purchase, our members who purchase at those places, if they sign up or they take one of the cards, we get a little bit of money back from that. So over the next few weeks, we're going to have People who are available to help you with that if you'd like to sign up for King Supers, or if you'd like to take one of our Albertsons or Safeway cards. Unfortunately, our volunteer today didn't, wasn't able to show up, but if you would like to sign up for that or if you have questions about that, I'll invite you to come into the office sometime this week, and we will help you get signed up with that. So please help us to continue offering. Or we would appreciate your help and offering in that way. All right, friend, so I'll invite the ushers to come forward.